Hey, if you suffered an injury in an accident and would like a free case review, make sure you call the super team at Daspit Law Firm. Free consultations are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Dial 713-322-HURT. That's 713-322-HURT. Or you can go to the website, DaspitLaw.com. You're unbelievable. Welcome back. 803 ESPN 975 and 2573-780-3776 is the number. If you want to get in here, Texans news, not great. Laramie Tunsil, nowhere to be found. Josh Jones, nowhere to be found. Austin Deculus was in there at left tackle yesterday. I I hope it's just a rest day or a day-to-day, hey, we'll get you out there on Thursday for Josh Jones, because if it's Austin Deculus... It's a bad at, thing. That's a that, at left tackle. That's bad. Yeah. Uh, whether or not they can get Garen Christian up to speed quick enough is a question because Austin Deculus. That's not something that's. I mean, I mean, CJ has been really, really good, really good. Um, we got a, a quote. J, JJ was on with Pat McAfee. See if you can find that. JJ was on there. I, I can I can send it to you, John. John, our new producer here, um, uh, taking over for Dell, who, by the way, is taking over for Lance, who, by the way, should be making his way. Is he back Monday or Tuesday? I believe it's Mon- It's Monday because I saw the uh, the schedule. We're out. Oh. At, we're out at Wildcat, and he should be out there. Oh yeah, yeah. We got the uh, CCA tournament on Monday, right? Yeah. So we got that. Oh man, what a day that is going to be. How huge is that when we're talking? I mean, the show is going to be wall to wall Ryder Cup. I hope kid. not because we will have we'll we'll have a Texans game against the Steelers. We'll know if the Astros are in the playoffs or not. Hopefully, we know beforehand. But we'll discuss. But that's it. not none of that but is we'll going discuss. to be as important. No, no. So if the Astros don't make the playoffs, we won't talk about it. We'll talk about Ryder Cup results. Ryder instead. Cup results. That's exactly it right. Seems like a poor way to start a show in Houston. Well, no, because that's all anybody cares about. Have we got a Ryder Cup call today? Uh, come on in. Okay, I haven't opened it up for that. I've just been talking. We've been talking. Hey, you want to talk Astros? Okay, yeah. But how about Ryder Cup talk? Who wants in on Ryder Cup talk? Let's go. 713-780-3776. The number if you'd like to get in here with us and talk Ryder Cup. Let's go. Um, so, uh, yeah, we got what a weekend we got. JJ, JJ taking care of business and is going to be inducted into the it, if if it is going to be Austin Deculus, or even if it's Josh Jones, if you want to know the truth. If it's Austin Deculus, despite it being Ring of Honor Day for JJ, his brother's going to have a bigger day. His brother's going to have a yes, bigger day than he, than he is on his Ring of Honor Day. So so after JJ is inducted into the Ring of Honor, the fo- after the week that TJ has, he'll be inducted into the Steelers <laughs> yeah. the next week. <laughs> it, oof. I can't believe, look, they went and got Josh Jones. You could not find another tackle after what we saw Austin Deculus put out on the field in the preseason. Now, you didn't expect to be at this point on your fifth tackle. Right. So that ain't great. But still, the Austin Deculus stuff, if you thought C.J. Stroud had had a bad time of it as far as avoiding pressure, actually he's been pretty good at it, but as far as the at least the offensive line had a bad time of it, it's going to get worse. 
Mm-hmm. I hope I hope Jones is ready to go. I hope it's just something where he needed a day off and he'll be back. We'll find. You know, this is the last week. I think we're going to have to deal with this because next week, um, Charlie Heck can come back. Juice Scruggs can come back. Uh, Titus Howard can come back. All those linemen. Noah Brown is eligible to come back. Cam Johnston, the punter, well, is eligible. We've got our answer. Aaron Wilson tweeted out yesterday. Josh Jones is expects to miss the game due to yeah. a hand injury. So the Texans. So we have. Titus Howard with the hand. We have Josh Jones with the we hand. Had, we had Larry Tunsil with the hand previous, but he has a knee injury last this year. year yeah, but this year it's a knee injury, so we so it's likely George Fant and Austin Deculus. No, well, how about Christian? Because they picked him up. Hopefully, they can get him ready. Oh yeah, they did bring him in. Yeah, so maybe we don't want but, Austin Deculus. We don't want that. So the better option is the guy you signed off the street because of all the injuries than the guy you've had since training camp yeah well he is a seventh round pick and maybe shouldn't even have been oh drafted. if we listen to our preeminent draft expert well, he doesn't think he should have been drafted well we also saw him in the preseason well confirmation of what the experts we, said yes we did get confirmation on <laughs> yeah. his, his inabilities uh, but ah oh, that's just not gonna ah uh, uh, it's not gonna be good for cj i just feel bad i just feel bad you know and 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 that JJ soundbite on Pat McAfee actually talks about this. You you got that? Did, did you find that, John? Uh, it's about a minute and a half. But here's Pat McAfee. So like, what the Texans? Wow! And here JJ was on with him. And here's JJ talking. It's JJ month, by the way, in the city of Houston. So here's JJ talking about what he has seen from the Houston Texans so far. Hey, huh? What? Hey, what was that? Huh? What's going on down hey. there? What is it? CJ Stroud, my big guy. Them? He might. How about them Houston Texans? C.J. Stroud looking good. I mean, he's poised. The thing that the first thing, honestly, besides the football that I noticed about C.J. is he's taken a lot of hits in these first three games, and he's been missing. Last week he was missing, or two weeks ago he was missing four of his starters on the O line. This past week he was missing three. Many people in that situation could go up to the podium and just say, "Ah, you know, we're just kind of waiting to get our guys back. Um, it'll be really nice once we have our starting O line back." CJ's taken all sorts of hits, taken all sorts of pressure, and every single time, all he does is stand at that podium and say, I love my guys. I want to lift my guys up. I want to support my guys. Um, I love those guys. And I think that told me all I needed to know about him from a leader and a person perspective. And then you go out there and you watch him play ball. He doesn't have an interception. He's calm. He's poised. He's leading that team. Jacksonville, everybody says Jacksonville's going to dominate this division, win this division easily. CJ stands in the pocket right here. He's got pressure on him coming around the edge. And he just delivers a beautiful ball to Tank Dell. Touchdown. I mean, what a – between Collins and Dell, they've got some receivers, CJ in the pocket. I mean, be careful now. Houston's brewing a little something. Look at this score. Yeah. 27-17 before that touchdown right there. The Houston Texans? Look, he two picks in the top four. Yeah. What? The Houston Texans? That's right. The Houston te- – eat that, Pat McAfee. Yeah, the, the Houston, Houston Texans? Texans? Um. And, and you know what? All that stuff is true. Now, it's going to be different this week with you, TJ yeah. and with Hightower. And uh, for some reason, I, I think, just don't feel. I think they could have beaten the Jags with three offensive linemen because there's just something weird with the Texans yeah. and the Jags. They, the Texans own them. I don't know why that is, but they do. The Steelers different. I feel like it's not going to go the same. I feel like I feel like we're keeping backs and tight ends in, helping whoever. It be whether it be Christian or or Austin Deculus, I don't fear for CJ's life. I just fear for her safety 
on Sunday. Yeah. I I I think like this is an underplay. I said that. Pickett the defense is, of the Texans is against Kenny Pickett. Now we know you're going to be on a tackle you you had to trade for no, you signed in the offseason um, because of your injury issues, and then uh, then your seventh-round pick, I would take the under. 42.5. 42.5. This looks like an underplay to me because that offensive line of the Texans is going to be really, really hard for C.J. And then the uh, – and then the steel, and Kenny Pickett, and he's on the other side. So this could be a – this could be a 13-7 to kind of game. That's I, – I watch it be 41-40. Let's get Chris. This is silly, Chris. Chris doesn't want to talk about the Ryder Cup. Chris, I don't. But I was going to encourage Dell that whenever you decide to talk about that, for him to maybe throw a shiny object and ask who's better, uh, Jordan or LeBron, and then I'll Ooh, handle that. Jordan or LeBron? A distraction to your Ryder Cup talk. So every time I start to talk about, I call in Mount Rushmore of Houston athletes. I ask for those. I ask for those callers. Where do we rank them, JJ? Altuve, Biz, Bagwell, and Hakeem. Go. Top five, John. Rank them in order. Which one's out? Well, that's Mount Rushmore. Then we do a top five. We do a Mount Rushmore. Then we, we do a top five, and then we do a Mount Rushmore. <laughs> well, the first four would probably be the Mount But Rushmore. maybe when you think of their heads on a mountain, you change your mind. Where's Earl in there? You're yeah, leaving Earl out? I consider him a, t- a longhorn more than an oiler. Sorry. We're talking about guys who win. Won titles, except for J.J. He, oh, he won Defensive Player of the Year. That, we'll call that a title. So go, John, go! Actually, I got it. Save your, save your thoughts until Ryder Cup talk strikes you, and then we'll go to, we'll go to that. Well, well, Martin wants, what about, okay, who is, who's on the Mount Rushmore of Dynamo players? Brad Davis, Brian Ching. Brian Ching. Corey Ash. Oh, who else? Oh, what's his name? Ricardo Clark and Pat Onstad. Didn't he play goalie here? Did he? I think so. There, that's my top five. That's it. I think so. What's right, the, right now, right now you got a guy named Hector or something. Herrera, yeah, the the, yeah. the Mexican international, yeah. And oh, by the way, an Open Cup championship. Let's get Martin in here. Hey, Martin. Hey, good morning, John. Good morning, Dale. Good morning. Hey, uh, no, I just want to give a big shout out to the Houston Dynamo for defeating uh, Messi's and Bale's uh, Inter Miami last night. My Inter Miami. So let's go Dynamo. I ain't go I appreciate that. Yes. So and Messi wasn't there. But, yeah, yeah, and my I wasn't there either. Messi or I weren't there. <laughs> well, it's your Miami team. <laughs> I don't root for Inter Miami. I don't care about them. I'm a English Premier League fan. I root for Fulham. Uh, yeah, it was a credit to them. They played really, really well. The the Miami was not in it at all from the start. They didn't get a late goal. And to make it a bit interesting, but the Dynamo dominated that game. Uh, Tata Martino, the Inter Miami coach, talked about why do I need because he was being criticized at least certainly on social media, and I think he was asked a question about how, why his team wasn't ready. And he goes, "What? I got to get my team ready for a final? Shouldn't they just be ready to play?" Um, so allegedly, uh, at least they're spinning it as an Inter Miami team who was not ready to go. They didn't have Messi, they didn't have Jordi Alba, but credit to the Dynamo, they went in there in a place that was begging for another title, a, t- a lot of energy in that building, and they went on to win. He tried. He's not available. Oh, he's not? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, and we want you to come in. If you want to talk about the Dynamo, you're more than welcome. Your thoughts 
on the Dynamo 2-1 win and the Open Cup Championship. You can talk about Astros. You can talk about the Texans. You can talk about the Ryder Cup. Yes, you can talk about the Ryder Cup. If you call it about the Ryder Cup, I know you actually want to talk about Mount Rushmore in top five. You can <laughs> talk about... That's, you, a, that's your signal. You can talk about Dame Lillard. All kinds of stuff to talk. We got to talk about on the other side, though. Chandler Jones. Yes, and we all... Chandler is getting... This is an under-talked-about under story. Egregious. And we also have Josh Pate to talk college football coming up in, oh, yeah. at 8.30. 8.30. That's, uh, that's totally sweet. Right now, I'm talking about Mark Klein, and I'm talking about Klein's jewelry, and I'm talking about these lab-grown diamonds, okay? So, you know, you mine diamonds, and that's how you get diamonds, and it's, it's so, and that's why they're expensive, and they're beautiful, and they're shiny, and they've got color, weight, clarity, all of the things uh, that you look for in a diamond that makes them more expensive, um, but here's the deal is you can, you can actually manufacture them in a lab now and they look just the same, no different. They can be flawless. They're, they're, they're just so, so totally sweet. And Mark Klein says, how about they cost about 15%, 20% of what real diamonds cost? They're real diamonds, only they're manufactured as opposed to mined. And Mark Klein has them. And you're spending a lot less, maybe 15, even 10% of what you would spend on a real diamond. So, or a regular diamond, a mined diamond. So if you're looking for timeless elegance, it never loses its shine. He's got everything you could possibly want in jewelry. He's got two locations, Woodway in Augusta and Fountain View in Westheimer. He's got a website where you can do it all online at clientsjewelry.com. Or you can call him or text him and tell him what you want, 832-316-1388. Anything you want in jewelry, anytime, Mark Klein, kleinsjewelry.com. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. We're your daddy. Well, I feel like I'm your daddy. You're not my daddy. No, daddy. No, no, I'm your daddy. You ain't my daddy, boy. Yes, yeah. I am. No, no, you are not, not our daddy. daddy. I am your daddy. Not a daddy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's time to rejoin the undisputed best sports talk show in Houston. It's Clearly, John and Lance, except no substitutes. All right, welcome back here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. So Chandler Jones is getting paid, right? And he's not playing football. He's just getting paid. So like Laramie Tunsil. Uh-huh. Uh, basically a million a game, 51 million, three years. Um, so he is getting a million dollars a game sitting at home. Because he is, I just, I don't, I think he and Josh McDaniels have a bit of a communication problem. Chandler Jones, well, he got a little, he got a little egregious. Um, I don't know if there's some of this stuff I just can't even read. Um, so he said this, he said this about, well, he sent this tweet three hours ago. Or, or uh, no, 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 I, I don't know when he sent this, but he's he's really on a tweet run. Um, get McDaniels the bleep out of Las Vegas, this my city. Um, you say that to Mark about Mark Merman all the time. No, I, I really never get said Berman that. Get the bleep out of here. I really this never is said my that. city. I never really said that. Uh, he did say, religious man and wicked man, this my city. Stop sending people to my spot before they don't report back. Cool. <laughs> so, 
What does he mean by people? Does he mean Raider personnel checking up on him? What does he mean? Stop know. sending people to my spot. Mark Davis, no, I feel that way. That's way. That's why he sent that long ass text about his team. I should expose his ass too. Ship make Raiders owner, uh, SDM Raiders the owner. Sh- yeah, I don't know who that is. Is that his sister? SD shaking what? I don't know. I have. I'm not, I don't have tweets in front of me. Oh, it's Sandra Douglas Morgan. Oh, oh, okay. Sandra Douglas Morgan, who is the Las Vegas Raiders president, wife and mom. Um, this this her city too, and she got them dimples. I rather look at her than the toupee. <laughs> well, understandable. Chandler dimples are nice. Chandler Jones is just he is just setting the entire Raiders organization now. Does he have a point about Josh McDaniels, the guy who kicked a field goal under three minutes left, down eight? <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if these correlate. What so, do you, do you know that's the first time that that's happened? Yes, because it's, it doesn't surprise me because it was stupid. It's yeah. really, really dumb to do what Josh McDaniels tried to do. Didn't Lafleur do something similar? Well, he did. I think he did that in the playoffs. In the playoffs, I, yeah. I don't know how much time was left. You know, they 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 divide regular season, postseason stuff. So, so maybe right, it's right. the same. It, same circumstance. He Rodgers wanted to go for it. Lafleur said, "We're going to kick the we're going to kick the field goal," and it ended up they never got. I don't think they got another chance. Yeah. Did they? Anyway, um, the Raiders on Monday night kicked the field goal. Less than three minutes left in the game, down eight, kicked the field goal, and somebody had put out. That's the first time in in I don't know if it was NFL history or some some time period that a team that was down eight with under three minutes to go kicked the field goal. Yes, because you just have to go for it, and it was like fourth and five. I fourth think. and four from the eight from the eight yard line. What are you doing, man? No go. one knows. And then you back. If you don't get it, they're still backed up. Uh, you you, and you got have a, a shorter. To get the ball back. And if you do get the stop, you have a shorter. They yeah. you have a shorter field. Instead, he kicks the field goal, and the Steelers. And then it's over. They get the they get one <laughs> shot, like one play, and late, really late, and Jim, Jimmy G throws a pick, I believe. And then he has a concussion that we find out later. So it was a disaster for the Raiders. And Chandler Jones is <laughs> lighting them on fire, as you said. And Chan- this story is altogether weird. Chandler Jones is saying he's being hospitalized against his will. Um, yeah, he was hospitalized. Uh, they still trying to get me back on the team. Just the owner, the slave master, don't allow. Uh, he's, uh, he, met, he mentions Yahweh. I'm a messenger, Yahweh. He is he Jewish? I think he might be Jewish. I, I don't know. Um, so he is Chandler Jones. Is really the Jones brothers have a lot of issues. They've had their run-ins. Yes, yes, yes. The Jones issues are bad dudes. I think now. Arthur is the one. Like, hey, hey, I'm fine. Leave me alone. <laughs> I, I don't 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 say the Jones brothers. Say those Jones brothers. Right. I'm okay. Arthur Jones is a former. I don't know if he's still in the league. Uh, but I, I don't think we've heard anything about Arthur as a guy who's had issues. Yeah, he's, he's been out the league a long time, 37 years old. But, yeah, I mean, it's John has had issues Ooh. with the law. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't Chan, I don't know if Chandler's had anything jo- with the law. Too, yeah, yeah, I don't know if Chandler's had anything with the law in the past. But this, is a, this isn't a great time for him if, if you're hospitalized because it's necessary or even if he's right and saying it's against his will and he's fine yeah it, it's not it's not pretty and you see the tweets c- going out 
Like I don't know, I don't know what is wrong if there's anything, but the Raiders and Chandler Jones have an issue, and I don't know where it ends. I don't think he plays for the Raiders again. I know he wants to get back no. on the field, but he's not playing for the he's not playing for but, them and, again. But 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 what are you giving up for a guy that's just got all of these? I think you're just. I mean, you want to talk about a distraction? You want to talk about a loony loony tune? I mean, he's, he's, and he's older. He's an older player. He's thirty three years old. I would imagine at some point the Raiders are just going to when they when they deem it monetarily safe they'll just part ways yeah they'll just release him and we'll see if he's if he's back in the league at some point or if he if he's even capable of being on a team right now if what we're seeing about being hospitalized is necessary he may not be in a position where playing football is in the cards yeah no no no. well i don't know that i would want i don't know that i want that in the locker room right would you i mean i I yeah I, i know what you're saying i'm just not sure he should be playing football period for his own sake for his own well-being he i know he's saying he shouldn't have been hospitalized but if he should have been i think there might be bigger concerns for chandler jones than being an add to a team who's looking to make a run because he, he can rush the passer was he, he was hospitalized because of some kind of mental issue that, that is apparently the re, the reporting around it now you know he's fighting back against that saying he's completely sane but yeah whether he plays on a team or not there's something there where it may be far more important than football that that needs to be dealt with. Yeah, no, no, he does seem like he has something to deal with. I mean, either that or he just don't care. I'm going to talk about the coach. I'm going to talk about the owner. Well, this is. I'm going to talk about them dimples on the on the president. I mean, I mean, if you do care about your future as an NFL player, you probably don't do this. I mean, there's some, particularly at his age, you're 33. There's there's no one begging for a 33 year old pass rusher who is doing this. Yeah. So, I don't. He may not care, but it may be the end of his his playing career because I don't like. I don't think he's playing for the Raiders, and I imagine whether it be a we don't want him in the locker room thing, or he's not even a good football player anymore. There there are multiple things that could be going on that would keep him off the field. Not least of which is. There may actually be a reason he's in the, he was in the hospital. That's something that needs to be taken care of. Yeah. All right. Come on in. Oh, Josh Pate's joining us next right here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Late kick with Josh, Pitt, uh, Josh Pate brought to you by DeMaris Barbecue. That's coming your way. Chastain Ford is what I'm talking about right now. Chastain Ford. I love Chastain Ford. Matter of fact, I stopped there yesterday. They, they, they fixed the door on my truck. It would it just was stuck. It was uh, some kind of – it was an easy thing, easy fix for, for uh, Chastain Ford. They were awesome. The service department is second to none. If you need service on your vehicle, they're going to take care of that. If you have a fleet of vehicles with your business, they'll come to you. They get they got a mobile uh, service department that they come and they will fix your vehicles if you've got a fleet. So just go to chestingford.com and find out how you can go about that. If you have a lot of issues with your vehicles and you, you, you hate to send them all in or you got to tow them and all this stuff, no, they'll come to you and they'll fix. So that's awesome. they got great deals right now on, on F-150s, up to $15,000 off on the F-150s, new F-150s in stock, ready to be delivered right now. Or how about $449 a month or 0% for 60 months and $2,000 bonus cash on the Mach-E. This is a great great vehicle that you can start with and man is that sweet that is a great deal 449 a month or zero percent for 60 months you just don't get better deals than this they're always going to give you the best deal they possibly can no hidden add-ons to chastain ford trustworthy dealership you'll be part of the chastain family at, at chastainford.com on 610 at homestead not hempstead just five minutes from downtown chastain ford
ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, the only sports radio on FM in Houston. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's time to rejoin the undisputed best sports talk show in Houston. It's clearly John and Lance, except no substitutes. Hey, welcome back. Dell in for Lance, who's on vacation. Joining us now, Josh Pick at Late Kick Josh on Twitter, a must follow. He's also got his podcast, The Late Kick with Josh Pate. Uh, he's brought to you by Damaris Barbecue every week right here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Josh, you went to, you had that circled, that Notre Dame-Ohio State game. Historically, that stadium, because of the way it's built, I mean, all this sound just leaves, just leaves the stadium. It's not, it's not really, it's not, it's clearly not even close to one of the loudest stadiums in the country. What was the atmosphere like on, on, on Saturday night there? Yeah, it's funny you mention that, because that's true, um, strictly from an engineering perspective. But, Two times I've been in a building where that's true. Two years ago, Ohio State at Michigan, same same deal. And last week, Ohio State at Notre Dame. I don't know what it is about Ohio State coming to town, but both times those places were off the charts. And I would imagine if you ask season ticket holders, they were probably top five environments they've ever experienced there. Uh, it was really good. And I would say if you've got 80,000 in there, I'd say 25 to 30 were probably Ohio State. So you got the green out. So it's all red, all green, looks totally like a Christmas special. And it was amazing. 70 degrees, low humidity, not a cloud within 600 miles. You could never have dialed up a better anything, a better environment, better weather, better ending. So it was a pleasure to witness that one. So loud that uh, Notre Dame couldn't even get the num- right number of guys on the field. Exactly. You know what? <laughs> That's the way I would tell the story down the road. If I were Marcus Freeman, I would just say it was so loud in there. We didn't even know we only had 10 guys on the field multiple times. <laughs> Josh, I want to talk about construction, but actually team building, because sticking with the Notre Dame team itself, I don't want to say it's the same old Notre Dame, but I look at them and I see great off the line. You're going to find your tight ends. You're going to play really good defense. But there seems just to be a difference between the type of player they get at wide receiver and the type of player a team like Ohio State would get. So you go on a message board anywhere, fans are going to talk about building the trenches. And I believe it. You can't win a title without that. You can't be paper mache at the at on the offensive line or the on or the defensive front. But where would you rank wide receiver rooms as far as importance to winning a winning a title? Um, much higher than the book would rank them. I think I, it wasn't, but like ten years ago that people valued. O-line and D-line as they will until the end of time. They valued quarterback, but even then it was more decision-making and poise rather than high-end tools. They heavily valued the running back room, tight ends as well. And then wide receiver was almost like, let's just get some workman-like guys out there and let's make sure they can run a four-six-five, and we'll be good. And nowadays, man, like even with Georgia, these past two Georgia teams – you don't think of wide receiver in the first five position units. You don't think wide receiver. But where are they without A.D. Mitchell making those big plays? Who has since transferred to Texas and is still making big plays now? So I think on a down-to-down basis, the wide receiver room may not stand out. But when you need the big plays, the explosive plays, the ones that end up in the highlight reel for decades to come, those guys are really important. 
And I think there's a difference in winning nine or ten games versus winning a championship. So I think it's really important. And I also think with Notre Dame, it probably says a lot to make your point that the two guys they're really leaning on right now the most are true freshmen. And they've, they've actually embraced the portal. Now, they're not going to get every kind of kid that LSU could get, but they've embraced the portal. I think they'll end up getting some pretty good wide receiver talent up there, and it may not be out of high school. It may be via the portal. Um, but the first thing that kids needed to see is they needed to see Notre Dame with pretty good quarterback play. So when they went and got up Hartman, it kind of signified to a lot of kids, okay, they're all of a sudden going to be serious about offense up there. And so while it didn't bear itself out this cycle, I think in cycles to come it will. Josh Pate, brought to you by Damaris Barbecue, right here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Where are you headed this week? Well, you gotta you got to give me about 15 seconds here, so don't gasp when I say the game. I'm going to Auburn, Georgia. Gasp. Hmm. And I know how terrible Auburn hmm. was last week. Hmm. I actually just have a sneaking suspicion <clears throat> that Auburn looks so bad that I think we may see a little little reshuffling in the offensive deck, so to speak. Uh, that includes quarterback. That may include play calling. Hugh Freeze has been kind of open about that. What I love and what we have a lot across the country this week, whether it's Colorado, whether it's Ole Miss, or whether the game we're talking about with Auburn, Georgia, you've got a bunch of teams that just went on the road and lost, and now they're coming home in wounded animal mode. And I always love that spot in college football especially because it is it is grounds for some of the more unexpected results that we get year to year. And so Georgia's a two-touchdown favorite in there. Uh, Georgia's unscathed, but we haven't seen them tested. We haven't seen them on the road. We haven't seen them face a team that's committed to running the football. That doesn't mean that they'll be exposed, but it does mean that no, no water pressure has really been applied to the dam. So we cannot know if there are cracks there yet. Same with Michigan. Michigan's going to Nebraska this week. They're favored by double digits. They should be. But we don't know, really, about the pressure points and the potential flaws because no one's tested it yet. So I'm going down there, deep south, oldest rivalry. Let's just, let's just all see what happens. That's mm. the best sales point I can give you right now. Mm. In other words, there's not a lot of great, great games on the slate this week. So. <laughs> That's another way to say we'll that, just, we'll just marketing, marketing told me that probably doesn't sell too well. So we're, there's a couple of, of, of lines that we're looking at this week. We, we, uh, Dell and I went over them yesterday. Two of them are, involve our teams right here. A&M and Arkansas. Arkansas is uh, – Texas A&M is given six and a half. That game is always, always down to the wire in overtime. It is a battle – how one team could give, be given six and a half, and then the other one is Kansas going to Texas and catching sixteen and a half, which I think is crazy too. Yeah, the Kansas. Look, I, I'm a believer in this. I'm a believer that odds makers do not always set lines to split the action fifty fifty. I think that's a myth. I, I think those guys really truly work off their internal numbers, and they may shift a point or two here or there depending on public perception, but. With the Kansas-Texas game, I, I'm very curious because on the surface, I agreed with what you said. I, th- I thought that they were just bumping that number up to 16 or 17 based on what they thought the public was going to do. And the public, it doesn't matter what you tell them about the Kansas roster. They just see that Jayhawk logo versus the Longhorn, and they lean Texas heavily. That's all there is to that. Well, I thought I was going to pull up my own numbers and have my numbers scream at me, take Kansas. This number should be 12. This number should be 12 and a half. And my numbers actually think the line's not high enough, which surprises me greatly because my gut would be Kansas. So I'm staying away from that one. 
Um, remember, they, they smoked Baylor last week. Texas just suffocated Baylor. They've got Oklahoma on deck. It's the perfect letdown look-ahead spot, and yet here we are. They're favored by 16 or 17 against one of the most experienced rosters in college football, really good quarterback in Daniels. And I Look, I'm going to watch it consequence-free because I don't have a dime on it, but I'm very interested in how that one plays out. You mentioned Arkansas A&M. Yeah, I would just put a line of three or four in that game every year and let them have at it. I really question what Arkansas has left in the tank after just two gut-wrenching losses, and now they go back out on the road. This is part of a stretch for Arkansas, by the way, where they go on the road four straight times. This one's disguised on this neutral site, but they're still getting on a plane to go to the game. So they have a four-week stretch. It is basically a four-game road trip for Arkansas, which should never happen in college football, but somehow it did. Josh, Michael Penix is now at least at one book, the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. The Pac-12 full of great quarterbacks. No, nowhere, no conference is close as far as the quarterback talent. Now, now who do you actually enjoy watching with? I know that Caleb Williams has the has the reputation, generational prospect, number one overall pick if he decides to come out. Is do you enjoy watching a different quarterback in that conference, or is Caleb Williams at the top for you? No, Michael Penix, uh, Bo Nix, I enjoy watching as well. But Penix, I watched last night. <clears throat> it's actually the last thing I did before I went to bed. I watched their game against Cal. I am not sure there's anyone more lethal than him and more lethal than that offense in college football right now. I mean, he's got three NFL receivers out there as well, but it's not just that. Like, they play effectively on the line of scrimmage. They can run the ball better than I thought they'd be able to run it, so there's that. But also defensively, they're they're better than I thought they would be. So it's a complementary style, but, man, like people ask that question all the time, which player is most important to his team's success? And it always goes Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler at South Carolina is a popular name in the South. But, dude, watch Michael Penix. That's terrifying. I talked to a coach that's going to have to face them at some point this year, and he said, man, I don't even know how to stop that. Now, we'll get it figured out. Don't worry. I mean, once we get down to that game a little bit later in the year, we'll put both eyes on it. But right now, we're just watching them on TV like you guys are, and that is impressive to see. Hopefully, they're hot right now and they cool off. I doubt that. So I'm going to go Michael Penix. I think the odds market is correct on him. If you okay, which Pac-12 team do you take to be a playoff team right now? Oh man, <clears throat> I picked Oregon to win the thing. I think they're the best equipped on the line of scrimmage when you combine that with really good quarterback play. Um. Today, though, like if the playoff were happening today, it would be Washington for me. I think it's impossible to judge Southern Cal because they played a schedule ranked in the 130s. Uh, that's why we play 12 games, of course, because they'll get tested on the back half. But I think if you ask the question differently, if you ask how many playoff caliber teams do they have, they've got three or four of them right now. How do you look at Utah, who just keeps winning and not call them? a playoff-caliber team because they faced quality competition so far. They took down Florida. They went on the road and took down Baylor. Uh, they, they took down UCLA last week and only scored 14 in the process. So I, I think Oregon State will still have a lot of noise to make. I, look, I think UCLA, we just mentioned them, that's the kind of team whose production is going to scale pretty quickly in the back half once Dante Moore gets more reps under his belt. So, dude, I don't know. I think I just listed half the conference. I'm really high on that conference right now, not just in terms of competitive balance, 
but high-level competitive battle. And Utah doesn't even have a quarterback right now. Yeah, we'll see right. where Cam Rising comes back or not. Yeah, in a year, I'm sure it's been said so many times, in a year where that conference is going to go away, it's probably the best it's ever been in, like, certainly recent memory. And the gauntlet could possibly mean a team with two losses doesn't make make the playoff yeah. in the Pac-12, but they're one of the best teams in the country. So we'll see how, we'll see how it goes. So you're going to Auburn, Georgia. People... People lock, watched Georgia against South Carolina and, and kind of saw it as a hiccup. We're not we we are going to see Georgia in the SEC title game. You don't think there's there there's anything in their path? And do you think they're still winning that conference as long as health doesn't go 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 against them? Yeah, I do. The I think the scenario that could come out of nowhere is Florida has already a loss, but it's not in conference, so they're equal there. If Florida were to just keep quietly winning these conference games, and they don't have a big, big one before Georgia. Now, they're an underdog to Kentucky this week, so don't misunderstand me. They've got challenges, but they don't have a marquee game until that Georgia game later in the year. If Florida buys themselves enough time and extends the runway enough to where they're playing at a high enough level, and or Georgia just turns out to be really good but not elite that could end up being a game where you know georgia loses it it's like losing one and a half games in the standings that could happen but even then we're counting on florida not to lose another game and i don't know that i would count on that so i don't know they go to tennessee way late in the year Uh, tennessee is not what they were last year so yeah i'm i'm pretty sure you're right on that and then in the west i think we talked about it last week the reports of alabama's demise very premature. They took care of that business like they like Alabama does. Um, and, you know, LSU, they got the one loss, but it was out of conference. Um, Max Johnson looks pretty good. Uh, he looked really good in, in, in relief, and now he's going to be the starter for the rest of the way. We'll see what happens with this Arkansas game, though. But the West is still is wide open, isn't it? It's wide open. It probably comes down to LSU-Alabama. That one's in Tuscaloosa. Um, I think that it's interesting that Alabama's got a defense they can lean on right now. They, they're kind of like Ohio State in that way. And we talked about this the first time we talked this year. you got two of the premier programs in America who are questionable at quarterback, but they have built defenses that will afford themselves time to figure it out. And that's exactly what Bama and Ohio State can do right now. And by the time they get to their stretch run games like Penn State or Michigan or LSU, like we're talking about, or Tennessee with Alabama, they probably will have a very workable version of their 2023 offense on the field. And this is, it's enough. You're kind of getting a glimpse of what the 12 team playoff will be like every year. So this is what it'll be like every year for teams like that. Doesn't matter what they do early. Doesn't matter if they stumble. They will be given time to figure it out. And then in November, all of a sudden, their talent will play up to the potential and they'll get in the playoff and everyone will be mad. That'll be the playoff every year when we expand it. Amazing how that happens, Josh. Alabama and Ohio State, known for their offenses over the last couple of years, actually have a downturn in offense. And look, recruiting helped them and they're, they're great on defense. So they'll, they'll be just fine, just, just how it goes. So, yeah, I think, I think you talked about it. Maybe I heard you talk about it even before the Texas game, that that Alabama defense may be something we have been used to in the past. But my final thing is, do you put anything into what Lane Kiffin said before the game, where he pretty much said they shadow demoted Kevin Steele? Is is there anything behind that, or is that what just Lane being Lane during during game week? No, I actually asked several folks in the program about that, and 
there's a version of it that's true, but it's not what Kiffin suggested. What's happening over there is I don't think they were happy with the speed with which they were getting their play calls in. And so I think T-Rob, who Lane Kiffin just wholesale said is calling the defense. Now, I think what they did is they changed they changed their mechanisms for getting plays called in, and I think that he's probably been very effective in helping that. But as for who's pulling the trigger over there as the D.C., that's Kevin Steele 110%, in my opinion, and it's a, a pretty informed opinion. That's Josh Pate at Josh Pate on Twitter at Late Kick Josh on Twitter. Uh, Late Kicks with Josh uh, uh, is also a podcast that you got to listen to every week right here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 brought to you by Damaris Barbecue. Great stuff as always, Josh. Have fun. I don't know. I don't think that's going to be a fun game, but you just do your best on Saturday. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, good people, good food. I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> Go where you can eat good. That's a good. It's always a good that's choice. always a good thing. Yeah, that tailgate's going to be great. Everything about it. Not the game. Not the game. Not the game. The whole know. Robbie Ashford playing quarterback. Not, I, don't, I, don't know about I that. saw that. I saw that act at A and M. Not. Sure. I don't think it'll be great against Georgia, even if it is at home. Breaking here. Someone three seven eight zero three seven seven six. The number if you'd like to get in here with us on ESPN ninety seven five and ninety two five. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Dude. I'd be most worried about seeing my seminal vesicles. I like the Florida State seminal vesicles. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the offensive masterminds running an outside zone on your intelligence. John Granado and Lance Zerline. All right, so uh, limo guy, what happened with limo guy? He tied, right? No, he he went into the Monday night game. Well, one of the Monday night games, needing an over at forty five and a half. He needed Bucks Eagles forty five and a half. He did not get forty five. Uh, it was like thirty six. Oh, it was twenty five. So limo guy lost. He lost. It was. It's he what had, limo guy do. That's what he does. Yeah. yeah. So limo guy played last Wednesday. He's going to play again tomorrow. We've got a spot open. Who wants to play limo guy? You get a limo ride to and from the game with the four tickets to whatever game that is. Justin will tell us what that game is tomorrow. But um, we have that available at exactly 9 o'clock. Exactly 9 o'clock. You're going to call in to 713-780-3776. We have an intern or no, John? We don't have an intern, so you're doing this on your own. So we'll call, caller number four is going to play Beat the Limo Guy. Now, you have to be available tomorrow at 9 o'clock. What you do is you pick five games, NFL games, and he picks five NFL games. Have more ready because he may pick one of your games. So have more ready and uh, against the spread, and we'll see who wins. And the Limo Guy sucks at this. So the Limo Guy is really, really bad. He gets beat all the time. So you, my friends, are the ones who benefit by going to get in the limo and going to games all on limo guy. Okay, so that's what happens. So it, it, who wants to play? 9 o'clock, exactly. We will take caller number 4 at 713-780-3776. Limo guy's fun. Okay, limo guy, is, is that's fun. So our Astros won last night. If you want to talk about uh, Gilbert wants to talk about it, I'm sure, because Gilbert, he says the Astros... No, he actually thinks the Astros the season was over, right? Yes. He he had predicted better, that the season better luck next year. Yeah, better luck next year, he told us. Um Gilbert, 
Yeah. Yeah, I thought you said the Astros were going to lose. Well, yeah, they're not going to make the world champion. What are you That's, talking about? He Why? did say that. He did, he did say that. What do you mean they're not going to make it to the world champion? Yes, they are. They're going to they make it to the world champion. They can't play good at home anyway. Well, wait and see. They get back to there. They get back home. See, see, they're going to win anyway, you know. Well, they don't win at home. They win on the road. They're better on the road. So they're going to be a road team because they're going to be the wild card team. So they're going to be on the road more. So they're going to win, Gilbert. You see? Well, I don't think they're going to win, win the world, be world champions anyway, you know. Well, that's, that's, that's. I'll just go for, for two rounds that about it, about the wild card. Do, what do you think? Do what? Just two wild cards and they go home. You know how that sounds? Uh, no, they're not going to just play two wild cards and then go home. They're going to win. Gilbert, you got to have faith in your team. Why do you not have any faith in your team? They can't play well at home anyway, you know. He's got a point. How do you win a World Series without playing well at home? The last time. Uh, the, the the Nationals played a World Series and won. But the but the Astros didn't play well at home and lost. Well, but the Nationals didn't play well at home and won the title. But but the Astros, we're talking about the Astros. How did the Astros win a World Series at home? Or win a they World almost won well? it when they played really, really bad at home. But, well, here's the deal. They're not going to have home field advantage at any point. So that, they're going to win. So you're saying they're going to win all of their road all games? All of their road games. Okay. All of their road games. Yes. Well, you're saying they're not going to win any home games? That's what Gilbert's saying. Well, Gilbert's Gilbert, that's that you're not a great you're not a good fan. You got to be a fan of the team, okay? Right, I know I'm, I'm experiencing the baseball houses, okay? You're what? I'm a baseball houses, brother. They should have went at home when they played at KC, you know. Yeah, no, they should have. You're right about that. There's no question about that, Gilbert. No, you're dead on. All right, everything's okay? Everything's okay. Talk to you later then. Bye-bye. All right, bye. It was good checking in. Thanks for checking in. Gilbert was just checking in. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. A wellness check? Just Just wanted to see how we were. Wanted to see. Tell us about the Astros not winning at home. Okay. I didn't see that coming. I didn't. I didn't know. Okay, I'm sure. Um, okay, it, this is is this a is this a thing? Apparently, uh, Astros players calling Mariners players homophobic slurs. Did, was that out there? Um, Eugenio Suarez says he thought he heard. Um. Uh, Homophobic slurs. Uh, Astros calling players, uh, Mariners players, homophobic slurs in Spanish was not uh, something I'd predict. Um, apparently, Eugenio Suarez thinks he heard him say something when, in fact, it could have been something else, which is close. Close. Um, Neris, maybe... Can I say this? I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure. No, if you don't, if you don't think it can, if you are questioning whether you can say it, yeah. considering what you say. Well, Jose de Jesus Ortiz, he says I haven't spoken to Hector Neris. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez didn't address the media last night, but I'd be shocked if Neris said what Eugenio Suarez thought he heard. My money is on Neris saying, "Ah, no." A word. Just tell people to go to the tweet. Go to go to go to 
Well, well, I can spell it. You, you can spell why you, it. Why are you so for saying this? Just let just just let everyone know there's some well, controversy around well, what word, could have couldn't have been said. And and, he, and and Jesus has a point, and it's I know this because I know the word. It has different meanings in different Latin American countries. Understood. Okay. Uh, yeah. In in some Latin American countries, this word uh, is a woman's body part. In others, it's a homophobic slur. Uh huh. In others, it's just you know, it's like you're saying uh, it's it it has very, it has so in two, not much meaning so at all. So two out of the three scenarios, it's, it's an insult. Not a, it's not a, it's an insult. It's an insult. Period. Okay. But it's not it in in it's some not as egregious. Insult. It's well, it, it's not a homophobic slur. Okay, yeah, but it is an insult no matter what. Right, it's the equivalent of the p word. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. But it also could be because I can come here and call you that, and it would have nothing to do with you with a homophobic slur. Right. Exactly. Got you. Exactly. In fact, once this segment's over, I'm going to call you that. Yeah. <laughs> Just to prove a point. Yeah. So apparently, Eugenio Suarez, you know, and, and actually, it, that it, it is it, what Jose. Jesus says is true. It's it that it does have different meanings. So we have some background potentially for what what potentially got everyone more upset. But Norris had had it out for Rodriguez no matter what. Right, we know that Suarez is Venezuelan and Norris and Rodriguez are Dominican. And this word is is a tame word in some countries. Gotcha. It's it's like it's like saying. So, so hey, it's like, pal, like hey, you know, you so call each the, other when the when the people in the UK use the c word, it it means there's less of an impact. Although it, it's, no, it's much less of than an what in it means in here in Australia as well. Yeah, less of an impact yeah, there than it means here. Oh, then it means here. It's a it's a it's an ugly ugly word yeah. here, but there it's not nearly as yes. egregious. And that may be the co- the the case with uh, Dominican. All right, we got a break. Someone three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Oh, you, they're calling in for the. Uh, to play Beat the Limo Guy right now here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Sweet Sassy Molassie. Tonight at the Alamo Dome, he gets Happy Go Jackie on the big white guy like a donkey eating a waffle. 